I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're bringing you our review of Australian independent film Little Tornadoes, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And I'm really excited to talk about this Australian film this week with you, Lee. I'm really excited too. So in Little Tornadoes, an introverted father of two who is struggling to keep the household running after his wife suddenly leaves, finds help in the form of an Italian colleague's sister who is finding her place in a foreign land. Set in 1971, Little Tornadoes is a portrait of Australia at a turning point in history and the human desire for connection. Little Tornadoes is directed by Aaron Wilson, whose directorial debut was a film called Canopy, which was a war drama, with a screenplay by Wilson and Christos Solkis, starring Mark Leonard Winter, Sylvia Coloca, Robert Menzies and Fabio Motta. So Tim, why are you so excited to talk about this film? Because I was just so swept up in how beautiful Mm. it looked. I know in the back end of this episode, we're going to talk about the stunning cinematography. But, you know, I was just gripped straight from the beginning. The film opens with a beautiful voiceover, the stunning landscape. And I found it instantly emotive. And it does a really brilliant job in the first frame to establish the tone 
of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the story is quite beautiful and simple and tender as well, mm-hmm. um, which we'll delve into. What was your initial reaction when, you know, that first opening shot invited you into the story? I think it's the same as you. I don't think I could add anything to what you've already said there. It's quite a sombre yeah. movie, you know, talking about the tone of the film. And that's not a bad thing. It's quite elegant and gentle. And there's a lot going on in Australia at this point in time. We mentioned that Aaron Wilson has done that war drama Canopy before and you've got that war thread running through this film as well. Mm. It deals with the after effects of World War II in the form of PTSD. Add to that there's the Vietnam War coming to a brutal head. There's an influx of immigrants coming into the country and the divide and the tension between the cultures There's the women's liberation movement gaining ground and women are starting to break out of these shackled, typical roles. Tensions are just high and people aren't equipped to deal with it. Yes, and that's what we learn with the character of Leo. Yeah. Tension is a beautiful word to describe this movie. It just coasts along, but it's incredibly tense all the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're touching on all the things that are going on in Australia at the time in the 1970s. And it does a really beautiful job in establishing that story. You know, you hear a lot of songs through the radio, Mm. you know, in houses, in the cars, there's a lot of news clips on the TV, commenting on all things from, you know, government, women's lib, like you mentioned, and also flavors of the popular music at the time, which really helped you know, position you in that in that decade. Yeah. And it constantly reminds you that it is the 70s in a really, really clever way. Just small glimpses. Nothing really connects or extends for long. It's just glimpses of things. Yeah, it's just an undercurrent constantly there in the background almost. Yeah. Like like a television on in the background, as you said. Yeah, and we got this with The Duke, which is a film that we've reviewed mm. recently where they lent in a lot of the television in the background just mm. establishing what was going on in England at the time. And I found that really familiar in its technique in this film in Little Tornadoes. It's like it just lands it in your subconscious, doesn't it? It doesn't hit you over the head with it. It just kind of feeds it gently into the background, into your subconscious, and you just know what period in time you are. You're immersed in this world. Yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on the the different subplots. You kind of referenced that there's a bit of PTSD going on Mm -hmm. with the father who fought in World War II. And an illusion that Leo's mother had died suddenly when he was a teenager or something like that. There was something going on there, wasn't there? Now, do you think the inclusions of all those little subplots, did they add much to the overall story or did you find them to be a little distractive because they weren't really explored very much? Again, just glimpses of things that had happened in these people's lives. Look, yeah, you're right. They are just glimpses. It doesn't delve into this backstory too much. But I think it all serves to set up this character of Leo and explain how harsh it can be for people who live and work on the land in these remote communities. Even now, you know, rural communities have the highest rates of anxiety, depression and suicide. So I think all of this stuff just served to set up that Leo isn't capable of processing his feelings. So what happens is his wife up and leaves Mm. at a time when gender roles and societal expectations are starting to shift. So, you know, she leaves this rural town in search for her own identity and the pendulum swings too far the other way because all of these people just don't have the tools at the time to recognise and deal with their mental health struggles. And the experience that Leo has with his wife suddenly moving is just that. So sudden, it's instant. Mm-hmm. And we're thrown into him experiencing that in real time. And again, 
this theme of just glimpses. Mm. We don't really know why their marriage broke down. There's little flashbacks, be it through verbal inclusions or or small scenes. And you have to figure out for yourself what might have led to her, the, the mother, his wife, to not only abandon her husband, but also her two children. And that's a pretty confronting thing for the director and the writers to give to you to figure out. They don't spell anything out, do they? It's very open to interpretation. Yes, exactly. And it's a creative choice to piece this movie together in moments. Yeah. I think it's artfully done that it's just little snippets of moments happening, moments, him trying to get through life basically, just trying to keep on, trying to look after his two children. And he doesn't, again, doesn't have the tools. He's not equipped to be doing this on his own. Yeah. Um, And this is where Maria comes into play, who is his Italian colleague's sister. She becomes a sort of domestic helping hand for him. And so there's that outreach, that small little outreach from someone who can see that someone's really struggling or that they don't have the emotional intelligence to have that conversation with a colleague. And it's just those little things that happen mm. in life that can get you out of a rut. And Leo mm. certainly in in a pretty deep hole by that point in the film. There's also a pretty big language barrier there. Yes. You know, besides not knowing how to ask for help, you know, the language barrier between Tony and Leo is that they don't really understand what the other one's saying, but they can see, he can see in Leo's eyes that he needs help and that he's struggling. Can we talk a bit more about the narration, mm. which was used to provide exposition? It's narrated by a woman telling a story of how she met a man and that kind of rebels against the whole show don't tell rule of screenwriting, doesn't it? But it never felt like exposition. Okay, so my interpretation of that voiceover, and I could have this completely wrong, mm-hmm. was it Maria? Yeah, it was It was Maria telling the story of how she met Leo and also giving a bit of context between their relationship, which doesn't really play out in the film. No. This is kind of billed as a two-hander, I think, when you look at the poster and the synopsis. But Maria's story isn't really explored. I found this a really interesting choice in how she was written mm-hmm. and how that narrative played out because we meet her for at least 40 minutes through voice, through her voiceover. Yeah. We, we don't see her until halfway through the movie, like physically. Mm, yeah. And I found that really surprising. I was waiting and waiting for a long time. Did you think that diluted her impact as a character in the story, only coming through physically halfway into the movie? No, I don't think so because, like you said, you know it's her. You can tell who it is that's speaking, but you hear a lot more about her life in the present as she's speaking than you do about the struggle she was going through when she met Leo. Yeah. Which I found a strange choice. I did also find the film a little slow in places. I know that was very deliberate and it's a very well-made film. Mm. It's just gentle, but I never lost interest. No, I, I didn't either. It just, I don't know, it, it hooked me in. It grabbed you. It was just very, very enticing mm. visual, visually. I mean, I yeah. keep going on about <laughs> visually, but the really beautiful contemplative performance yes. of, of Leo was just stunning. Yeah, let's talk about Mark Leonard Winter and his uh, performance. It was very powerful. It was really restrained, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, It's funny putting those two words together, isn't it? Powerful and restrained. It, it seems weird, doesn't it? But it worked somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And his physicality really matched his melancholy existence too. Towards the end, I did get a little bit like, 
come on, dude, because he was moving really slowly. Like everything was very deliberate. Everything he did was very slow. He put the phone down on the table. He picked up the receiver and I was like, oh, God, come on. <laughs> but no, that's, yep. that's very deliberate. He's moving through grief and depression without the tools to do so. He's grown up in this rural community where men are men and we don't talk about our feelings. Mm. So it's very understandable and I think the performance was really right for this character. Just on his slow pace in moving, yeah. he would be that person on the sidewalk or the footpath that I would huff past because <laughs> I got stuck behind their slow ass. And you don't know what they're going through, Tim. You don't know their story. Exactly. But that's what this film challenges you to think about. Mm. I felt very empathetic towards the character of, of Leo yeah. in this movie. And that was told through, you know, the betrayal of, of the character and how he's he's trying to do his best as a dad. Mm. And it really highlighted how isolated and lost someone can be. And also then what the power of kindness can provide someone in pain who's mm. unable to express themselves. Yeah. And it was just a really simple, beautiful takeout that I that I had from this movie. And it's so universal too, isn't it? All of that is universal. Mm. No matter the time period, no matter the culture, no matter where you are, everybody needs that human connection to pull them out of darkness. Everyone finds themselves at some point in a place of hopelessness. Mm. Yeah, and there's a lot to learn about yourself and other people and how they how they deal with that moment in their life. And in this movie, so tenderly explores that. Tender's another great word too. Gentle, <laughs> tender. Not boring though. Not boring. No. Not boring at all. Uh, let's talk about Sylvia Coloca, who is so warm and so confident and just gorgeous in this film. Uh, she's a surrogate mother figure to the kids. She cooks, she cleans, presumably. She fits right into this world and the role so effortlessly, but I didn't feel the struggle within her character of being a foreigner trying to find her place in the world. She was so confident and she was so bright and she was just such a breath of fresh air. I didn't see her struggle. I don't know whether we even heard her struggle in her narration either. You hear a little bit about it. She talks a little bit about uh, men watching her and you know the community talking about her and all that kind of thing, but... Yeah. She's a foreigner in a foreign land. There's a beautiful line right at the beginning of the film where she says, even the birds sing in a different language. Yes, wasn't that gorgeous? That was such a lovely line. So nice. Yeah, really emotive. And I, I liked hearing her share her experiences of home in Sicily and comparing it to moving to Australia. She highlights the different behaviours of people mm. in both countries. You mentioned about how men look at her differently in Australia and all the rest mm. of it. I found that really interesting. But I'm going to agree with you that not that I wanted to see another character struggle because no. Leo's was quite heavy, but I feel like that was an untapped territory for her character, for the audience yeah. to maybe find some middle ground, some familiar mm. territory for, for Leo to see someone else struggling in her understanding, but maybe they were words that didn't need to be spoken. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of this film is what's not being said. Yes. But also there's a lot of similarities in the story of Maria and Leo because I think they mentioned just very briefly that she lost her husband as well. Yeah. So in different ways they're grieving and I don't know if the book explores this a bit more, but there's a lot of rich territory there to bring them together that I'm not sure was explored fully in the film. Yeah, which brings me back to a point I made at the top of the episode about all the different subplots that just dangled things in front of you mm. and you wanted to explore them more. And look, this movie's 
not very long. It's literally an hour and a half. Mm. And I think even though it was such a slow-paced film, it wasn't boring like we've already mentioned. I feel like it needed, oh, I don't know, at least another 10 or 15 minutes on it okay. that we could have explored some more of these characters mm. and seen their story just become a little more holistic. Yeah. And that was because I was just so in, involved and mm. interested in this film. Yeah. Anyway, that's my takeout there. Yeah, but Leo is definitely the centrepiece of the film. It's his story. Definitely, yeah. Let's talk about the cinematography. I know you're itching to do so. I definitely <laughs> am. The cinematography is by Stefan Duccio, who did The Dry and The Invisible Man, two films we absolutely loved. Yeah. He really knows how to bring the Australian landscape to life on screen in this just intimate and beautiful way. I was literally blown away. Like I just could not believe how stunning this cinematography was and it so beautifully like elevates the narrative because it takes you on this slow journey and you breathe with those shots, those mm. those drone shots, those crane shots and it, it just broadens this story. Like it, it's quite intimate, it's simple, but it's made feel so much bigger by the choices yeah. that they make with the camera. Yeah, absolutely. And watching films where Stefan Duccio is the director of photography just makes me fall in love with Australia all over again and appreciate our country on a whole nother level. I completely agree. It's almost like, hold on, we live in this country. We've been to places I like know. this before. But it feels like you're seeing it for the first time. Yes, that is such a good way to put it. And I love that, you know, every film that this cinematographer has touched, we have just all wanted to just jump to talk about <laughs> how the film looks. Yeah. You know, Gosh, the dry is beautiful. Invisible Man is just tense and glorious. And then this movie is just another incredible notch on the belt of this cinematographer. And I, mm. I just I cannot wait to see another film that he's behind the yeah, camera. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. On that note, I think this is a perfect place to wrap up our review of Little Tornadoes. I agree. So Little Tornadoes gripped me from start to finish with its ability to deliver a simple and intimate story married with such grandiose visuals. Aaron Wilson has directed a really tender and sensitive story that sticks with you long after the credits have rolled. I do feel it tried to touch on too much, leaving some subplots a little under-realised, which I honestly don't think really needed to be there, but it succeeds in offering a small insight into the changing lives of a small town amidst the uncertainty of life in a post-war society. I'm going to rate Little Tornadoes three and a half popcorn kernels, Lee. Well, overall, Tim, Little Tornadoes is a moving and elegantly made Australian film exploring the universality of our need for human connection in times of hardship or any time, really. I continue to adore the cinematography of Stefan Duccio and I urge you to see Little Tornadoes if only for his ability to capture the sweeping beauty of the Australian landscape. I'm going to give it four out of five popcorn kernels. Love that. Well, Little Tornadoes is in select Australian cinemas from May 12, so check your local listings. All right, Tim, it's time to move on to the news for this week. And kicking it off, 
I Want to Dance with Somebody has dropped into the local schedule. The film about Whitney Houston will be in Australian cinemas on Boxing Day this year. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with Whitney Houston. Okay, so Naomi Aki stars as Whitney Houston in the music biopic, which is based on the epic life and music of the iconic singer. Directed by Cassie Lemons and written by Academy Award nominee Anthony McCartan, who wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, so this is in Mm -hmm. his wheelhouse. Uh, The film promises to take audiences on an emotional energetic surely with her music journey through Houston's career and music. Yes. Can't wait to see this film. Me too. I can't wait to dance with somebody, i.e. you, in the cinema (laughs) watching this on Boxing Day. It feels like it's been coming for a long time. I feel like we've been talking about this one for a good long while. Gosh, yeah, we really have. Oh, I'm excited it's finally dropped into the schedule. So, Tim, last week we talked about Scream 6 production getting underway for a 2023 release date and it's now confirmed that Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy-Brown, Mason Gooding and Jenna Ortega will reprise their roles for the next movie, which follows the surviving quartet as they leave Woodsboro behind and attempt to start a fresh chapter. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, that fresh chapter <laughs> going to be ruined. And so, on top of that, gosh, why did I say it like that? Going to be ruined. Okay. So, on top of that, OG <laughs> screamer, Courtney Cox is also confirmed to return with the addition of Hayden Panettiere reprising her role as main survivor Kirby Reed from Scream 4, which came out yep. 2011, some time ago now. There's a lot of interesting points here. Okay. A, they're taking the action out of Woodsboro. What? Yeah. That's what it sounds Surely like. Surely they'll be drawn back to Woodsboro at some point. Gotta be. Gotta be. With the addition of that, we've got Hayden Panettiere reprising her role. Is she going to be the new Sydney Prescott? Interesting. The new survivor. The new survivor. Mm. She was one of my favourite characters from Scream 4, so I'm really glad that she's coming back. But that is a good theory. Mm. I'd be curious to find out whether that is her fate in this in this franchise moving forward. I wonder if that's because we're not going to see Nev Campbell in the next one. Are you? I actually- don't know that for sure. No, I don't know that for sure. I'm speculating, right. but she hasn't been announced yet. So, mm. so maybe she's being replaced like the survivor role, the main heroines. Well, I mean, look, no, I'll take that back because Melissa okay. Barrera is the new main heroine, isn't she? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay, look, there's so much speculation. Hopefully we get a little more detail in the coming months as it goes into production. Oh, I can't wait. I'm very excited. It's going to happen very quickly, isn't it? Well, yeah, because it's coming out in, what, February next year? What did we say? I think that's what we said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so not long. All right, Lee, so Fast X has its replacement director. Mere days after Justin Lin left the project only one week into filming. Very controversial. Mm. So, Louis Leteria, who directed The Incredible Hulk and the first two Transporter films and also Now You See Me, is set to take over the director's chair. What do you think about this director? Well, he's definitely got action in his wheelhouse. He knows what he's doing. The Mm. Transporter films are very much up that alley, aren't they? Oh, definitely. I wonder what it's like to just come in at the 11th hour into a project that had already just started filming. The director's bug it off and you're in to try and, you know, drive the car. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but he's a really talented, well-versed director mm. with, with that list of films. So, yeah, bring it on. And I think Justin Lin is staying on as producer. We've said that, haven't we? So, 
Yes. I mean, he's going to be around to help steer the ship. That's right. He just can't deal with the cast. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> speculation, speculation. Speculation. A lot of speculation in this episode. <laughs> Lee? I object, Your Honour. That is speculation. <laughs> Hearsay. <laughs> All right. What else is happening in the world of movies? This is exciting. There's an unofficial Forrest Gump reunion happening in the form of a graphic novel adaptation. That's not uh, Forrest Gump the sequel. It's just (laughs) Robert Zemeckis, writer Eric Roth and stars Tom Hanks and Robin Wright are reuniting for a film titled Here, based on the graphic novel by Richard Maguire. So Here focuses on a room in New England and the different things that happen there over the years, so such as love, loss, hope and struggle over the course of generations. This sounds like it's going to be a pretty heavy Mm. movie. It's a different kind of comic book film, isn't it? Look, I am obsessed with this quote-unquote Forrest Gump reunion (laughs) that we've only been waiting far out, more than... 30, almost 30 years for. So, wow. oh, this is exciting. Uh, we, we love Robin Wright. We, we've we've seen mm-hmm. a few of her films over the last few years and spoken about them. Tom Hanks is obviously Tom Hanks. We adore Robert Zemeckis. Need I go on? No. I'm very excited for this. We also like Eric Roth. You don't want to leave him out. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> All right. Moving on. David Duchovny will write, direct and star in a film called Bucky Fucking Dent. Say that three times fast. (laughs) Based on a book that he also wrote. Bucky Fucking Dent, Bucky Fucking Dent, (laughs) Bucky Fucking Dent. (laughs) There you go. Nailed it. So, Bucky Fucking Dent is set in New York during 1978 and follows an aimless 30-something named Ted who moves back in with his father, Marty, played by Duchovny. So, after learning of his terminal illness, that's why he moves there. So, Marty is looking to make up for lost time, but his health seems to deteriorate whenever his beloved Red Sox lose a game so Ted orchestrates an intricate plan to provide the illusion of a Sox winning streak to keep Marty's spirit up. It's an interesting premise, isn't it? It is. There's a lot of layers yeah. to this. This book was a bestseller. It got critical acclaim for David Duchovny. Right. Okay. Is there anything this man can't do? Is there anything he can't do? No. And look, we're on a bit of a um, Duchovny renaissance, if you will, because in last week's episode... He is cast as Meg Ryan's love interest yes. in a in a romantic comedy that she's directing. So I'm just loving seeing him pop up in our yep. podcast every week today. A decoverance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Trademark that. Hashtag decoverance. Decoverance. How the hell would you spell that? Well, uh, I, I reckon that's about it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. Lee, what do you reckon? Yep, I think so. We covered Little Tornadoes, which is in limited Australian cinemas from May 12th. That's right. Well, go check out and support Australian cinema. We certainly encourage you to do so. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.